Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. He's probably the worst starting pitcher by the numbers in all of baseball, right? Has to be, but I think it's some, you can't just isolate him. You have to look at the coaching staff and see why has there been no adjustment. I, I know there is off the field, but this guy Hickey at a certain doesn't point, seem to try and to try and produce outs. Yeah, the, Hickey comes out there. He comes out five, six times a game. He covers his mouth and he, he tries to look avuncular, but th- there's no result. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So as long as we uh, have a baseball open, we'll, we'll bring people up to date. The Phillies finally got in. About time. The Phillies, who had signed Harper to a $330 million contract four or five years ago. A quarter finally, of the way through. Yeah, finally got into the playoffs. They fired Joe Girardi. Wilbon loves Joe Girardi. Wilbon's the one. Nobody else likes Joe Girardi at all, because they think he's, you know, a teeth grinder and right. makes everybody nervous. They fired him, and they just brought in some guy who was sitting near the bench. Like, I don't know if he worked for the team. <laughs> they just said, you, you're the guy. And he led them. That's a really name. cool wild card weekend. The Phillies could get the Mets. Yeah. Right? And I'm just saying, based on what the Mets were doing in that, in that Brave series, if you're yeah. a team that has an offensive lineup like the Phillies, you go... We're happy to go yeah. into New York and hit a couple home runs. Yeah, I think that. I, Lead I off home run that. once again. Schwarber. Yeah. How many is he having that? 43, something like that? They're out so quickly. The turn, the sharp turn downward that happened to the Washington Nationals, Michael believes, and I concur, can be traced to Kyle Schwarber's injury last year. Yeah, first week of July. He had had... Like his June, he had like 18 home runs in June. He got hurt, and they just said, okay, it's over. Yeah. It's over. And, and they traded everybody, including Schwarber, who's – is he a great fielder? No, he's not even a good fielder. Do you want his bat in the lineup? Sure. Yes. Sure. Uh, he's got – only Aaron Judge has more home runs than him, right? I believe so, Only yes. Aaron Judge. Yeah. And he's a terrific clubhouse guy. Yeah. You know, just a guy you want on your team. The Nats were idle yesterday. They were idle because they were rained out in, in New York. Um, you didn't watch the Nats Classic? I watched a little bit of it. Was it Harper's you first game? You seriously watched the Nats Classic I watched Classic five game? minutes. I watched five minutes because I didn't know what was going on. Okay. I mean, I didn't, I didn't understand until I realized, okay, this is over. I read a story today in the paper. Nelson Cruz wants to keep playing. And Davey Martinez made it very clear, not for us. <laughs> he did. The quote said, if he wants to, you know, go do this and go do that, you know, he can do it. Right. But it wasn't, it, there was nothing that said, and we're happy to have him. So it made it clear to me he was not going to be on this team next year. He's an itinerant DH. He's got 10 home runs. And that's all he does is hit. And he's not launching the ball, but he leads the Nats, I believe, in RBI with only 60. And that's, you know, I don't want to get into it with the Nats, but because I will say this, and Michael knows this. I will miss them. I, even when they're bad. Right. So not I watch. I don't watch hours and hours every night, but I watch. Well, it's something most of, us have, most of us have to go through this when you start to transition from being a fan of your team to being a fan of playoff baseball. baseball. And for us, this happened early in the season. So you start to look at interesting matchups. And again, that's why we're circling these wildcard games. But it's, it's what you set your clock to. Wanted to read. That's classic, that is. No, well, you know, I'm going to miss them. They're done. They're yeah. done by Thursday. Right, Friday is the beginning. Yeah, let's, see if, let's see how many more rainouts they got. Well, at some point, you got to start the wild card on Friday. What yeah. do you miss more, when the Nats go away or when the red zone goes away? 
Because I always feel like a forlorn moment when, you know, they Channel sign off. not available. Where they sign off and it's just sort of, yeah, it's just there. You know, the music playing in the Scott background. Scott Hansen, who I don't think I've ever met, and I think is really good. Yeah. He works 18 days a year. That's it. 18 days a year. I understand. Stay with us because for the next seven hours, <laughs> we got nonstop. For, yeah, it's a freight train. But he works yeah. 18 days a year. Let's see you try what to handle does, the Octo box. No, but I, he's really good. What does he do next? Does he, does he work at Burger King? What does he do? <laughs> he only works 18 days a year. That's it. He's working on his golf game. I don't know. Two emails I wanted to read. One is from Ben Coleman, who writes in a way that indicates to me that we know each other. And yet, I don't believe we do. It's long. After just finishing a podcast of yours, sitting here in a small village in Colombia, he's in South America, I decided to finally sit down and write this email, feeling like I did for many years as a teenager, growing up in Philadelphia, listening to 610 Sports Talk Radio, and hearing one fan after another start with first time, long time. <clears throat> Excuse me. My dear friend and diehard sports fan, Ethan Blum, was the torchbearer for us Philly fans at that time, calling in on our behalf. This brings me to this email, my first time, long time moment. In the somewhat recent past, you talked about Alan Zweibel and Gilda Radner. That's got to be years ago. At least a couple, yeah. Alan Zweibel went to Hewlett High School. His best friend in high school was Keith Glass. And he wrote all the Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana stuff for Gilda Radner. He was Gilda Radner's muse on Saturday Night Live in the old days, in the original days, which is almost 50 years ago. Alan's son, Adam, was a bunk member of mine at Camp Cedar in Casco, Maine. When you mentioned Steal the Bacon on the podcast, the idea of writing this email blossomed even more. The camp was predominantly Jewish, but we did have one famous camper and a non-Jew during my years, the late Corey Irving, son of the one and only Dr. J. I digress a bit, but I have to give Dr. J a bit of a shout out because on every visiting day, he would play pickup hoops with campers and counselors for an hour or more giving every one of us hopeful young ballers a chance to rub shoulders with an all-time great. I'll never forget the one time I got in the game around age 13 after many years of watching from the sideline. The kindness of him to give his time on that day has never been lost on me. Sadly, his son, Corey, died a few years later. I digress again. In my second year of camp, Adams Weibel came to camp. He was, as we quickly found out, a stud baseball player and was participating in the Little League World Series, another topic of yours, which at the time was basically the apex of prepubescent little boy sports dreams. Being a fellow, we didn't come when we were nine years old camper. We bonded. My father was sent to summer sleepover camp at age five. My uncle Jonathan, author of Jerry West's biography at age four. I went at four. I went to camp at four. At the end of the summer, there was a father-son weekend, which my father and Alan's Weibel took part in. As I've gotten over, older, I realize how well-respected and known this guy is. That summer prior to the father-son weekend, Adam had to leave camp to act in his father's film, North, starring Elijah Woods. Ann Hornaday perhaps can give you a review. I think you're safe to skip it, though. Since that 1994 summer, a lot, a lot has happened, and I find myself teaching fourth graders in Bogota, Colombia, listening to Tony Kornheiser podcast during morning workouts. I can't tell you how many topics come up on your show ring true to me, including the aforementioned steal of bacon, the importance of summer camp during my childhood, travel, shout out to Luke Russert, teaching via Michael, as well as my newest obsession, golf. I laugh to myself when you frequently comment and no one cares about your skull chip shot on number eight, yet I find myself yearning for details. The pandemic propelled me to play more and more, especially spurred on by a top 10 ranked golfer who was in my class, Emma Gaetan. When she told me she participated in the world championships in Pinehurst and finished in the top 10, I was determined to become respectable. 
I've gone from a 36 plus down to 15 since the pandemic started. Before I go, I just want to thank you for your continued entertainment from down here in South America. Your podcast has now been played in various South American countries, as well as all over Colombia. Lastly, I'm a member of La Cima Golf Club, found in La, La Calera, Cundinamarca, a beautiful mountain course where you might hear an occasional moo from the local cows as you tee off. You and anyone from the show are welcome to visit the course on my dime. Well, peso, actually. Caddies and beverages included. I'm enclosing a picture to try and entice you. Thanks for all that you do, Lashanatova. Ben Coleman. Isn't that sweet? It's very Isn't loving. that sweet? And I got one more. And this is from Harley Griffiths and Taylor Corston. Need to catch you up on a few things. The legendary Jim Hughes hosted me and a few friends last week at his lake house in Wisconsin for his youngest masculine son's bachelor party. We finished the trip in Green Bay with some cherry bounce and a bear's whomping. His son, Willie, and future daughter-in-law, Becca's wedding, is this weekend. It was just this past weekend. October 1st. I can't make it. You can have my seat. I'll be in Vancouver. I'm currently road tripping from Napa Valley up Highway 101 with my fiancé and future wife. I'm riding from the front seat of our rented Mitsubishi after stopping at Tillamook Creamery Oof. on our way up the coast of Oregon. We had that? ice cream for breakfast, Tillamook mudslide for her, and Oregon strawberry for me, and a quick tour of the Creamery for cheese samples, sharp yellow and white cheddar. Attached is a picture for News Channel 8. It features, pictures, features my fiancé and a Tillamook cow. Fun fact. There are more cows than people in Tillamook, the cheesery. These are, sometimes I sit <clears throat> at night when I have nothing else to do. And as Michael and Nigel know, I, I look at the emails. Yes. And sometimes they just sort of, they make me feel extraordinarily sentimental about the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. There's a mirroring that you get when you read these stories to see where people are taking the show and what relationship they just have to it in their own daily lives. It just it's it's to me. You mentioned Tillamook, and then suddenly someone is in Tillamook, and they're, <laughs> they're writing you from Tillamook, right. or you're, they're listening to you in Colombia. Yeah, not Colombia Country Club, kids. <laughs> the other one, the nation of Colombia. Yes, it's just remarkable. We'll take a break. Chuck Todd had a really good week, five and two. 17-11 overall. Chuck Todd will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by J. Grant McGuire, our friend in Huntington, West Virginia, who writes, My friend Hank Sammons sent this to me. It's a song he wrote called Whiskey Before Breakfast. He's starting an Appalachian Roots music band uh, from 1800 on, and I like it best. This is old music. He plays in a band called the Oakwood Road Band, a 70s cover group. And Mr. McGuire says, I used to be the manager and the bouncer in the early days, which is interesting. <laughs> this is a song called Whiskey Before Breakfast. It's by Hank Sammons, S-A-M-M-O-N-S. Plays in Chuck Todd. Chuck had two losses this week, five and two. Following a 6-1, Chuck is now 17-11 early in the season. He's killing the monkey. 
and it's about time. But as I said to you, Chuck, I first you mean, told spanking, you. Are I spanking the monkey? Sorry. You're spanking the monkey. I guess we could say that on radio. Can we, are we allowed to, or are you going to be? Yes, so we'll be fined by the FCC. Yeah. I told you not to bet against San Francisco. The, don't bet the Rams against San Francisco in the regular season. You saw what happened. And you I got did. hosed on the Buffalo game. Carville got that game at three, so he pushed. You and Jeff Ma got it at three and a half and lost. Oh, I thought I got it at three. Okay, so that's why it wasn't a push. I was wondering why I didn't get it. No, you got it at three and a half. And I got this. This is sent to us by Scott Michael in DuPont Circle, a Meet the Press watcher for 40 years who writes, does Chuck Todd bet the London game when he's doing Meet the Press on the same Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd want to know. You know, actually, not only no, (laughs) but this is my favorite part of the London game. My 15-year-old son wakes up. You know, I get home. After tape and meet the press, and of course my 15 year old son's still not awake. Right. He wakes up and he goes, "Alvin Kamara was benched," <laughs> and I said, "And I said, well, you should have gotten up before the kickoff." He goes, "Come on, yeah." He's like, "This is not fair." And I'm like, "All right, all right." 17 and 11 after two Let's weeks. Go. I'm testing. Let's I start. It's all downhill from here. The New York Giants are at Green Bay. Green Bay was lousy last week against. Not New at England. Green Bay, by the way. Oh, it's not it's at Green London. Bay. Okay. Oh, no, this is a London game. Oh, okay, at London. Oh, okay, yeah. that's different. Green Bay was yeah. lousy last week uh, at home against um, the, the Patriots. They, they couldn't contain a guy named Zappy, a guy nobody had ever heard of. Zappy <laughs> was moving the chains, and they barely won that game. The I can't Giants have his name a bunch was Bailey of. Zappy. Yeah. You know, that, that feels like a, like a, a bad scriptwriter name. Yeah. I yeah. said on TV yesterday, his parents should have called him Zippy. <laughs> Zippy Zappy would have been fun. <laughs> the Giants are not a good team, but their record is pretty good. They're getting eight. They're getting eight in London. And, and I'm just going to say this out loud, not that Wilbon ever listens to this, but Wilbon is always rapping the NFL and always saying they don't belong in other countries. And I, I don't disagree that they don't belong in other countries, but that Tottenham Stadium is beautiful and it is filled to the gills every time they have a game there. Fans love it. Yeah. And wait, wait till Green Bay travels. That's going to be, you know, this is the first London game that, for Green Bay. They somehow got out of it over and over again, and uh, they finally, uh, I guess the NFL finally made them do it. Uh, I don't know how the Giants, do you, do you see that they don't complete the forward pass anymore? <laughs> I don't know if you caught that at the yeah. end of that Giants game. And their quarterback's I mean, hurt. Daniel Jones was, is hurt. I, I, do you think, did you did you realize they brought Daniel Jones on to like line up a receiver, and, and the announcer was speculating, I think they're putting Daniel Jones out there because he has the helmet with the, with the headset in it, <laughs> and they don't know how else to call the plays in. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how they, I don't know if they throw the forward pass, so uh, I, don't like I don't trust Green Bay to cover a, a number like this, but I cannot be on the side of the Giants, so I'll take the Packers. I would do the same thing. The Chicago Bears, who make me happy because they stink, and Wilbon now hates this coach. Four games in, Wilbon hates this coach. They're <laughs> this at Minnesota. A team. Minnesota Holy could have lost to a 60 terrible, and 61-yard field goal in succession, but it was the double doink on the 61-yarder. Chicago isn't any good. Minnesota teases you, but it's not a primetime game. Minnesota's better when they're not in primetime. Chicago's getting seven, division game. Yeah, I I uh I don't Chicago doesn't look like they're <laughs> excuse me, they're getting better at all. No. <laughs> they're sort of the strangest. The fact again, we just talked about the Giants couldn't throw the forward pass. They won their game against the Bears. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
And do you know the Bears got all their points from a guy they signed the day before the game started? <laughs> I didn't their know. field goal kicker they had to sign on Saturday. Yeah. And thank God they did, or they wouldn't have had their 12 points. I, this is the same thing. I think this is too many points. But you're going I to take fear I'm going to lose this game, but how do you how do you put anything on the Bears? So you got to go to the Vikings. I agree with that. Miami, Sorry, Reginald. Miami <laughs> downgraded from three and a half three and a half point favorite to a three point favorite at the New York Jets. The New York Jets somehow have two wins. The Jets stink. Let's not be equivocal about this. Do you think that? Yeah, I don't J- know if I agree with you. Really, you like the Jets? You like them with Salah? Well, I don't think they stink. Okay, I, I think they're. I think they. I think they smell sour. Okay. You know, I think if you're going to go with smells, like I think it's a tolerable smell. It's not a great smell, but I don't think it stinks yet. Okay. Miami's getting three. Miami's coming off its first loss of the season. They're traveling. uh, Perhaps by Sunday, this rain won't be in the mid-Atlantic like it's been killing us for four days now. Uh, Miami giving three looks attractive to me, but maybe not to you. Again, interdivi- I am nervous about this a little bit because it's an interdivisional game. Although um, they don't have Tua. They don't have Tua, I should say that. Yeah, they don't have Tua. Yeah, but Teddy Bridgewater. Pretty good. As a, when, he, when he's the fill-in starter, I mean, his, his, his record against the spread is pretty good, which is, which is worth while I just feel better sitting with the Dolphins. But I don't, like I said, I don't think the Jets stink stink. Okay. They smell bad, but I don't <laughs> think they stink. We'll see. We're only four games in. We'll see. Yeah. Philadelphia, the only undefeated team in the league, is at Arizona. Arizona, when Arizona is playing well, they're beasts. They don't always play well. It depends on Kyler Murray, who's basically impossible to defend if he's on. Philadelphia is getting five. That's down from five and a half. That's that's a lot of points on the road against a team. I understand it's an up-and-down team, but they've got talent at Arizona. Yeah. I love that, you know, they don't always play well, but when they do, you sounded like the most interesting handicapper in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, they, you know, the car, I'm with you on the Cardinals. Like you, they're, it's just such an erratic. You wouldn't, this would be a game you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to actually bet because no. of that. No. It's high, vol, you know, it's sort of high variance. I guess that's a term gamblers like to use a lot these days. It's, you know, you just, nothing would shock you. If Philadelphia won this game 31 to 3, you'd be like, yeah. And if somehow Arizona pulled the upset 32-31 because they scored four touchdowns in the last quarter of the game, you'd be like, oh, it's Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, So these games stink. Speaking of stink, these lines stink. Right. Because I hate all these lines. Uh, Same same rule. It's sort of like I I just trust Philly. And, you know, Arizona's not a good home team. They're not always the best home team. They don't have a great home field advantage. That's the same as Baltimore. Baltimore's not a good home team. I don't Um, know why. They're not. So I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Eagles. Okay, okay. Uh, Dallas is at the Rams. The Rams lost last night, um, so it's a bounce back situation for them. Dallas is getting four and a half. Cooper Cup has been great. He's three and zero. Oh. Two of the teams they've beaten aren't very good. At some point, uh, the ride ends for Cooper Cup. I would think. You mean Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Cooper Cup. The Cooper ride Rush, doesn't Cooper end. Cooper Rush. For- it's a battle of the Coopers. Yeah, Cooper Rush is the guy I'm Maybe thinking about. Maybe they'll get about. Mini Cooper. He, he's done a great job. Gary Cooper. <laughs> there's a lot of Cooper Manning. Um, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot good that can be said about what Cooper Rush has done. But as I say, at some point, as Steve Young says, the journey ends. Uh, this is the one I'm thinking the journey ends. That's just me. Yeah. Who do you like? 
Uh, I like the. Uh, I feel like the Rams sort of are. You know, this is. This would. You sort of look at it, are the Rams really going to be two and three? Yeah. Right. And 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 I and I, I don't buy that. Um. Although I am starting to wonder if the Rams can move the ball against a good defense, and we know the Cowboys have a pretty good. They defense. have a, they have their best defense since 1973. That was yeah. the last time that they allowed under 20 points through the first four games per game. Yeah. They do. They it, have a good it, defense. It's a great defense. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I just feel. I feel like this is a step up in class for the Cowboys. Me right? too. Having to play the Rams, so uh, I'd rather be with the Rams here and uh, in the in the battle of the Coopers. Okay, here we go. I mentioned that Baltimore is a bad home team. They're two and uh, they're zero and two this year. Baltimore should be four and zero, and they are two and two. They are at home against Cincinnati. Cincinnati is an improving team, and Cincinnati. Um, has been competitive in every single game, including those that they have lost. <coughs> Excuse me. Baltimore has no particular defense, as we have seen. Cincinnati's getting three. And that surprised me a little. Getting three. I, uh, I, I, I love Lamar Jackson this year. I, I will keep riding him even when he loses games. Okay. I, I'm going to... I'm, I'm gonna... I'm going to hang last Sunday's performance on the weather. You know, it was just a, a, okay. a strange, and they they couldn't get in a rhythm. But I, I, you know, here's the thing about the Ravens: they're in every game. They're always. I feel like every game is going to be a three point game. So it's another one that's not the most fun to bet because when when there's these three point lines, because that's exactly what it is. Um, you think Justin Tuck? You think uh, Harbaugh should have kicked that field goal? I do, but, uh, you know, I know a lot of people disagree. I do for this reason, and I don't care about the analytics of it. I think that it puts the other team in a different mindset when they're not tied, when they are behind and they have to score. When you are tied, it is a different circumstance on what becomes the last drive. So, yes, I do. And I will tell you this. Last year, Baltimore is another great stat that Matt Kelleher gave me yesterday. Last year, Baltimore lost six games in a row, five of them were three points and under. Mm-hmm. Two of them were when Harbaugh went for the win and not the tie. So. I, I didn't understand the decision because of the weather. Yeah, in I, bad weather, why wouldn't, you know. You have the best field the goal kicker in the world. Yeah, ever. get the lead is whenever you can get. I, whenever I just, you can. Yes. And, and by the way, this was proven out with the Cleveland-Atlanta game. You know, yes. it seemed like a, a done deal, but it shows you go grab the lead and you never know what the other team's going to do. Yeah. They may fumble it away. Yeah. Um, and John Harbaugh's arrogant. I'll give you one other example of his yeah. arrogance. He criticized the Dolphins for what they did with Tua. That's not your team. That's not your team. And they beat you, by the way. Why are yeah. you talking about someone else's players? I, I just, that, that was arrogance to me. <coughs> are you there? I'm here. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I finished I'm, my thought. That's it. Yeah, I, I have okay. no more. I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I'm done, too. I picked the Ravens, right? Okay. Here we go. Yeah, One no, more no, no. game. Okay, sorry. This is uh, the Washington football team, and they do stink. Uh, they, they're terrible. Uh, they're, they're really bad. Yeah. Tennessee. They smell a lot worse than the Jets. Yeah. Tennessee won last week. It became closer than it should have been. Tennessee's not as good as you want to believe they are, but they're better than Washington. Yeah. Two and a half on the road, Tennessee. Don't you have to take them? It's not. I, that's, this one I'm actually, I like. <laughs> and let me ask you this. Do you buy the idea that Rivera's job's in jeopardy? 
No, I just think people need to have something to write about. I don't think his job is in jeopardy. I think that... Who would go work for Dan Schneider? Yeah, right I think people think he's he's a pretty good man and they like the way he mm-hmm. stands up in front of a team. I, no, I don't think so. Right, and that's the other question. And now, if they changed ownership, that would be different, but they're not going to do right. it. Right. Yeah, who, who are you going to replace? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you. And Titans, they're... Here's the other thing. They just... They don't win pretty. They don't. They just grind you down. They grind you down. Well, except when Derrick Henry doesn't get any yards. Yeah, but he looked good last week. He did. They yeah, changed they the little stuff. The they were throwing to him out of the backfield. And oh, w- and with actually, a head of steam. Can you imagine you don't want, being like a 5'11 defensive y- back? Y- you don't want to tackle him. Oh, my God. You just, <laughs> you're like, get out of the way. <laughs> I don't want to be near that guy. So you'll take Tennessee? Yes, sir. Okie dokie. Thank you, Chuck. All right, guys. Chuck Todd again, five Goodbye. and two last week, following a six and one, seventeen and eleven overall. If you bet with Chuck Todd, That's you're Chuck. making money. And if all we gave you was Chuck Todd, you'd be thrilled. We give you a monkey. You see the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the vice, pie too. Sometimes he throws boo, boo, boo. When he's had too much, Johnny Walker blue. What do you got? So uh, I went down to the National Zoo last night, uh, despite the weather. Um, and it was a frenzied atmosphere, as it generally is at Reginald's flat. He had a bunch of lawyers there. The great zucchini was there. <laughs> yep. And apparently, they're working on merging. They were, they're working on merging to create the first, I believe the first in this country, children's live entertainment slash sports book conglomerate. Okay, that's So good. they haven't dotted Here, all the let eyes. Let the kids bet. <laughs> exactly. Let the kids bet. Right on, let them yeah. swipe. Here's 50 bucks. Just play with Let's that. Go. That's from the house. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they took time from the negotiations to, uh, to go over these matches. And the first one we gave him was uh, the Giants getting eight at Green Bay. And, Not at Green Bay. It's in oh, London. I'm sorry. Yes, in London. Uh, and he showed me a picture of uh, this is a very old photograph of him working as a truck driver for the Corleone Olive Oil Company, oh. which, as you know, is based in New York City. That's right. So to me, that tells me he's going to take the Giants on that with the eight. Now, the next yeah. message we gave it's him... It's not one I would do. It's not me. <laughs> don't agree with the monkey on that? By the way, the monkey, one and two again last week? Yeah, six and six overall. All right, so 500. It's great for a monkey, but not competitive with... Carville killed it. Carville went 5 oh, and one right. last week. Yeah, and Chuck Todd, yeah, 17-11. Yeah. yeah, so monkey's Jeff got some Mark, work to 12 do. and eight. The monkey's looking uphill. <laughs> 500. It's, telling. it's a tough crew. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, match we gave him was Dallas getting four and a half at the Rams. And he showed me a lovely photograph of him fly fishing with Larry Hagman, Tom Landry, and Bob Lilly. That tells me he's got ties to the Dallas area, and he will take the Cowboys with the four and a half. I don't know that I would have done that either. <laughs> right. Well, you might agree with them on this last one. Uh, this is Tennessee giving two and a half at Washington. Uh, and this showed me a, a picture of, of Reginald playing at the Grand Old Opry with Jerry Lee Lewis and June and Johnny, Johnny Cash. So he'll take Tennessee to that. You can't take Washington until they show you they can win. Exactly. You just can't take them. Right. You and Carson Wentz has got to show me something, right? Have a little patience. Ah, well, it's, you know, there's 13 games to go. But, yes. You know, they don't look that good. All right, that's good. We will uh, take a break. Uh, Tim Kirkchin will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornhauser. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Nothing to Say. It is sent to us by Jerry B-U-S-S-E. Is it pronounced Bus? Because he's not that Jerry Bus. Doctor? Is it pronounced Jerry Bussy? Like, hey, Bussy, let's roll. Jerry Buss or Jerry Bussy, a musician from a few miles north of Michael Wilbon's hometown. As I said, this is called Nothing to Say. I have, it's very lovely. I yes, it is. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm just getting a little bit in my ear. Michael, if people like Mr. Buss or Mr. Bussy want to send in their music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. It's very pretty. It is. He's playing. <laughs> and there's no singing to this, or else you wouldn't yeah. name it Nothing to Say. Right. Instrumental. Yeah. Very, very nice. Plays in Tim Kirkchen. And I'm going to start with this. We're going to... Tim, this is the culmination of the baseball regular season, and everybody gets excited about the playoffs. But I'm going to start with this, because I'm curious about your opinion. The last time we talked, we talked about records and home run records, and you vouched for the... Bonds record of 73. I respect that. What do you think if Judge doesn't get 62? If he simply ties Roger Maris, if he gets one home run in his last 15 games, and 61 is a great number, but it doesn't stand by itself. It It's troubling to me. I can't actually explain it. I think I should be more appreciative of how hard it is to do, because it hardly ever happens, but I want him to get at least 62. How about you? I think it would be better if he got 62. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry if he didn't. To me, when he got to 60, he won the MVP, and he cemented his place in baseball history because he hit as many homers as Babe Ruth did in one season. And he's in a very select group with 60 homers. So 61 is even more important because it ties the American League record and it passes Babe Ruth. So I'm good if he ends right here. He's the MVP of the league for me. He's had a historic season the minute he got to 60. But 62 obviously would be better. But, Tony, we're asking for... We're asking for a lot. We're asking to hit number 62 at home in front of the Yankee fans, which would have been great, and it didn't happen. And, yes, we're all a tiny bit disappointed by that. But it's really hard to hit in the big leagues today. This is the hardest-hitting environment that I can ever remember with the pitching these guys got to face. And this guy has been spectacular all year, and he – has gotten a couple pitches to hit here lately, but they also walked him 12 times in six games during the middle of this, and that's hard to hit when they're not going to throw you a strike. It just feels, Tim, like if I wanted to be critical, I would say he didn't close. I I don't know how you can say that if a guy hits 61, but I find myself thinking that I really, and I I don't know him at all, 
I really want him to get to 62 so that he can get the acclaim he deserves, which I don't think he'll get if he simply ties Maris and goes one for 15. Um, again, Tony, <laughs> I disagree. Okay. I think he has closed because he's on base two to three times almost every game. Right. That's how good he's been down the stretch. He carried his team, whether he was hitting homers or not, he carried his team into the playoffs. There were, there were people who didn't even think the Yankees would win the division, and he said, not today, and he took them there. He took them there, not single-handedly, but he was the driving force behind that. So, to me, he closed, but I'm, again, I'm totally with you. We would have loved to have seen him hit eight home runs in the last 15 games, yeah. but only Albert Pujols does that, and he's 42 years old. All right, I'll ask you then one other question as a baseball historian. Is you've got Judge as the MVP. And if I had a vote, and I don't, and he got the triple crown, I would have him as the MVP. But Shohei Atani does something that nobody's ever done. It's just never been done. You know this. What do you do with Otani? Well, anyone who votes for Otani is okay with me. There Some years, there are two MVPs, okay? 1985, George Brett, Don Mattingly, there were two MVPs that year. You couldn't go wrong in that vote. 2012, Mike Trout, uh, Miguel Cabrera, there were two MVPs that year. There are going to be two MVPs every year, as long as Otani keeps doing this, and he will be one of them no matter every what. Year. What every he's year. doing is yep. absolutely preposterous. Yep. So I'm never going to build a case against Shohei Otani because it's impossible and it's ridiculous to even attempt to do that. All you can do is build an even better case for somebody else. And it takes a remarkable season to do that. And to me, the difference is Judge carried his team not just to the playoffs, but to the AL East title in a very difficult year. That's why he would get the MVP vote from me. Let's go from the AL East to the NL East. The Braves humbled the Mets. On back-to-back nights, they beat DeGrom and Scherzer. And I cannot stress this enough. These guys are multiple Cy Young winners. One of them is going to the Hall of Fame for sure in Scherzer. Uh, the Braves humbled them. The Braves, I believe, are 76-32, and 32, or they lost last night, 76-33 and 33 since June 1. What did you make of that? Well, the Braves are better than they were at this time last year. The Braves have a real chance to repeat as the World Series champions, which hasn't been done since the Yankees, 98 through 2000. The Braves center fielder, Michael Harris, is great. They brought up a kid named Spencer Strider to start the season. He throws 100, and they're really good. They caught the Mets, which I did not think could happen. But to say the Mets were choked down the stretch is simply no, not true. They They're going to win 101 yeah. games this year, the Mets. Yeah. And they did not choke. They ran into a better team down the stretch. The Braves beat DeGrom. They hit back-to-back homers off him on Friday night. He hasn't allowed that since 2019. They Scherzer had the lead in the sixth inning when yeah. Dansby Swanson yeah. hit a homer off him to take the lead. And then they beat Chris Bassett. On Sunday night, that guy's been basically their best pitcher the second half of the season. They beat all three of those guys on back-to-back-to-back nights. That was a total, 
total great effort in every way by the Braves, and that's why they will enter the playoffs as maybe not the team to beat because the Dodgers have 110 wins, but the Braves are really good. So let us go to the other side of that, the Mets. The the Mets get the Nats for the last couple of games in in the season. The Nats are the worst team statistically in all of baseball, so I expect the Mets to win. But when the Mets get to the playoffs and Scherzer and DeGrom go, because they'll set up their rotation, it'll be fine. Is there a carryover effect that you see? Like, would they be bounced in the wild card series because this was psychologically devastating to a 98-win team that, as you say, is going to win 100 games? No, Buck Showalter, the manager, would never allow this to become some sort of, you know, sensitive team that, oh my gosh, we lost this, now we're no longer any good. It doesn't work that way with the Mets. All that matters with the Mets is how healthy is DeGrom, how healthy is Scherzer. You know, DeGrom hasn't been the same pitcher, granted, and pitched much in the last two years, if he's pitching on regular rest when he gets an extra day when he gets five days rest he generally is pretty good but he has not been great his last 21 innings and it just shocks us when he's not great every time and max scherzer is a hall of famer as you said yeah. but he still has some lingering physical issues from that oblique and i'm not sure he's a thousand percent healthy and he's gonna need to be if they're gonna take down the braves and the Dodgers and anyone else in their way in the postseason, they're going to need those two guys and Chris Bassett as a third to be at their very, very best. And I still just wonder physically whether they're up for being their very, very best on short rest and everything else over the next five weeks. Just as an aside, Wilbon yesterday went on and on about how Verlander and Scherzer would make the Hall of Fame, and he said that was it. And I said, Kershaw. And he said, nah. Not in the same class. Tim Kershaw's in that class, right? Of course he is. Oh, Clayton Kershaw's above both of those guys. <laughs> so what's Clayton Kershaw, Yeah, Clayton Kershaw has the lowest ERA for that number of innings pitched in the live ball era. I mean, he's multiple Cy Young winner. He is the best pitcher of this generation. He's better than Scherzer. He's better than Verlander. He's better than everyone pitching now. Now, when you go back to Clemens, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, um, you know, you've got a a Pedro Martinez, you have another conversation. But the best active pitcher career-wise is Clayton Kershaw. Go look at those numbers again, Tony, and tell me that's not the best active pitcher career-wise. That's what I said to Wilbon. They're Hall of Famers, but he dismissed me. the best of the three. Wilbon dismissed me. He just dismissed me on this. Okay. Well, he likes to do that, Tony. (laughs) He annoys you when he does it. That's why the show is so good, is that he annoys you. Um, So today, because I just wrote the anniversary last night, today is the anniversary of the first time the Dodgers franchise ever won a World Series. They were the Brooklyn Dodgers. It was 1955, so this is 67 years ago. Johnny Padres threw a 2 nothing shutout, and Gil Hodges batted in both runs, not at the same time, different at-bats. They had lost five straight World Series to the Yankees. Is that, in your mind, Dodgers-Yankees, is that the great postseason rivalry in baseball, those two teams? Well, I think that would be 
the best one this year because it would mean the Yankees have recovered from their malaise and made it to the World Series as we thought they would when they were 52 and 18 this year. So I think that would be the best outcome because it's Dodgers, Yankees, and it has such a rich history. I just worry, Tony, how many people are as old as you or as old as me who will appreciate what Yankees-Dodgers meant in the 40s and the 50s. I don't think our average baseball fan knows about that or cares about that. Therefore, there are other really great matchups. You know, Dodgers-Astros, a repeat of 2017, would be really, really cool. So there are a lot of great matchups out there. But if you're asking me all time, I think Dodgers-Yankees World Series would be something really cool if you're – and have any interest in the history of the game. Yeah. I'll get you out of here on this. This was another anniversary yesterday. Actually, it was a, the anniversary of Steve Carlton 50 years ago winning a game 11-1 against the Cubs. Steve Carlton, when he was with the Phillies, if people don't know this, one year the Phillies were terrible. Well, they were often terrible, but they were really terrible. They won only 59 games. That year, Steve Carlton went 27-10. and 10. He won almost half their games by himself. He had a sub-2 ERA. He went 346 innings, had eight complete games, not eight complete games. He started 41 games. He had 30 complete games, <laughs> 30 complete games in an era where great pitchers did that. But my feeling, Tim, is that he won almost half his team's games. I think it's the greatest season ever. I do. I ask you, you don't have to say it's the greatest, but it's got to be in the top two or three, doesn't it? Well, it's certainly in the top 10. It might be in the top five because I think that was the year. He did it one year. I'm not sure that was the year, but he also had a higher batting average than the home run king that season, Dave Kingman. Oh, so he had a higher <laughs> batting average than the guy who led the league in home runs. No, Only Steve okay. Carlton could do that. Right. Look, Pedro Martinez's 1999-2000 season, back-to-back, are to me the two greatest back-to-back seasons in history, and I think both of them were better than Carlton's 72 season. And I only say it because of this. We were in the height of the steroid era. It was the greatest offensive era baseball maybe has ever seen. He's pitching in the American League East in a DH league, and none of that was Steve Carlton. Steve Carlton didn't play right. during that That's offensive right. era, didn't play in the DH era, and didn't play in the steroid era. I'm not taking anything away from Steve Carlton. It's one of the great seasons of all time, maybe top five. But Pedro Martinez, 99-2000. Tony, for those two seasons, his ERA was three runs lower than the league ERA. For those two years, his ERA was 190, and the league ERA was 490. Those are the two greatest seasons that I've ever seen. If I'm going to be corrected, I want to be corrected by Tim Kirchin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll talk. Tim Kirchin, boys and girls. Uh, We'll take a break. When we come back, email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. an honor it just remains such a big honor that the mizzou marching band would play didn't didn't they almost beat georgia this past weekend was oh it? yeah georgia had to beat them very late knocked yeah. georgia out of number one they're number two behind alabama which i think is a miscarriage of justice because alabama almost lost yes. the first game so you know yeah. you, you know you're allowed to i think wilbon has some thoughts on that too uh, <laughs> do the bethesda bagel read please bethesda bagels we love them you will as well just go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the dc area nearest you then pop on in and you'll be thrilled were they waiting for you today they were it's very excited <clears throat> did they say where's michael they said where's the other bloke we like yeah. him better <laughs> that'll do it for us today before we get to the mailbag <laughs> let me just say shut up john big booty you coward you're the weakest individual i've ever known that is from the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension a little-known, wonderful movie. John Lithgow is in that movie. Yes. It's a wonderful movie. Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Tim Kirkchin. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Made me feel good. Framebridge, Electric E-Bikes, Freshly. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It's pants season, Dad. Oh, TK Meal Day. Uh, me- TK Meal Deal is live. Uh, check out the cross-country pan at johnnyo.com. TK Meal Deal. What is the cross-country pan? Uh, well, the cross-country pant is a pant. To walk across the country? Sure, for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. From Glenn Winters in Newport News, Virginia. It's a question from Michael. Would expired sanitizer be a good band name? And if so, could that band release a track called House Full of Eye Goop? I think we're out of the eye goop phase. Oh. From gotta, Shad. How did we fell asleep at school yesterday? From, <laughs> just fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> from Shad. <laughs> Teacher sent us a photo. Oh, I love Avuncular that look. Highly contagious eye goop. Or Nat's pitching coach. <laughs> this is from Jerry Peck in Baltimore. Oh, he sends me a picture of a license plate. You got to get this New one. A New York State license plate. It has the letters TK and it's 0001. TK1. And this, oh, I'm sorry, it's Maryland. It's Maryland. It's not New York. It's Maryland from Elkton Ford. Elkton is right at the border with Delaware. Yes. Elkton, Maryland, right at the border. TK0001. And he writes... How much do you want this license plate? I mean, really, how much? For a Burger King Whopper and fries, it could be nailed to your attic wall for all to see. Ha, ha, ha. From Ryan Gesser in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. Yesterday, he featured music from Low Hollow, <coughs> excuse me, Low Hollow and promoted their upcoming appearance at this weekend's Porch Fest in Oakland's Oakhurst neighborhood. Technically, Oakhurst is in Decatur, but let's not get into that right now. What a pleasant surprise because I know that Porch Fest. We live in Atlanta's Lake Clare neighborhood, which borders Oakhurst to the west. Porch Fest is unequivocally among the best of Atlanta's robust neighborhood festival calendar and benefits significantly from what people consider the best time of year in Atlanta. To wit, the forecast for Saturday is sunny and dry with an afternoon high in the mid-70s and an overnight low near 50. If you're not wearing a shacket and lighting a solo stove on the east side of Atlanta this weekend, what are you doing out here, man? That's a wonderful email. This is um, from Cameron Stevens in Sydney, Australia. Ooh, that's, that's Sydney. Sydney. 
How do I subscribe to the text chain between Wilbon and his buddies for Northwestern and Chicago games? Ah, that's so great. They're bears. Guys who played on the team were on this text chain. Yes. <laughs> Richard Dent. It's Richard Dent. I don't want to blow the cover here. It's, it's Richard Dent. It's Richard Dent. And it's, and it's uh, Tommy Waddle. That's who it is. Stop it. Um, Joe Shannon, Catonsville, Maryland. Do you think Robles is a major league hitter? No. No, I don't think he's a major league hitter. Yeah, how about his fielding? From Brand- he's a great fielder. From yep. Brandon Borzelli. On the topic of Aaron Judge stalling between homers 60 and 61, here is some comparison information lifted from baseball reference. Maris had a gap of six days between 59 and 60 and five days between 60 and 61. He also had a 10-day stretch in September where he only homered once, number 58. By comparison... Ruth hammered 17 bombs in September. Yes. His longest gap without a homer was five days between 55 and 56. Ruth hit four over the final four days of the season to land on 60. Victor Robles, on the other hand, had his longest homer drought in 2022 between homers four and five, July 30th to September 17th. His shortest gap between homers was between homers two and three, July 17th and July 23rd. Robles' power surge in September is reminiscent of his great run in July when he hit three homers in 13 days. We'll keep a watch on how his season ends. This is to torture me. I love Brandon Borzelli. To torture me. Um, from Adam Finkel. Shana While shopping for Rosh Hashanah food, my wife and I passed some Tillamook. I'm from Miami. I assume this was not something that could be found outside of a Safeway. Certainly not in a Publix, but alas, there it was. I snatched a tub of vanilla malted and some strawberry sandwiches. I split the sandwich with my wife in the car, and it was delicious. My wife begrudgingly agreed. She refers to you as, oh, that voice again, and insists that Wilbon stops screaming all the time. Thanks for all the laughs and being an escape from the chaos of daily life. Adam, from Merrick, Long Island, went to sleepaway camp in Thompson, Pennsylvania, Syracuse University grad. I would do one more. This is from the Reverend David Howell, senior minister at the First Congregational Church of Palo Alto. If you're going to. If you're going to have a church, right, Palo why Alto. not have it in Palo Alto? <laughs> exactly. Right? Dear Dr. Humane Letters, here's a partial list of the ways in which the quality of my life has been diminished because of your podcast. One, I've pronounced Tillamook properly for decades, but now I say Tillamook like a dope. <laughs> my eldest daughter started med school at Dartmouth. Yeah, I worked that brag in like a champ, didn't I? But instead of swelling with pride, I was dismayed because she immediately bought a Subaru. Ooh. Not only that, I drove it and I thought it was great. So thanks to your show, I was disappointed in both of us. And probably a used Forester. I had an email read on your show a while <laughs> back and I've been waiting patiently ever since for someone to mention it to me. Nothing. I think someone must have blown their nose in my connective tissue. Dave Howell, Menlo Park, California. If you're out in your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? 